We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me former Butler head coach Laval Jordan and North Carolina legend, the one and only Tyler Hansbro. We are going to be talking about an entire slate of Saturday basketball games. You know it was a great day. Kentucky got blown out. UConn is officially back. I am sitting. I'm planting my flag in the ground. They are back. Uh, we got to talk about Kansas State and Jerome Tang. He's going to be joining us later in the show. We're also going to be joined by the hottest player in the ACC, Terquavian Smith. He had 22 points today as NC State went into Virginia Tech and beat up on the Hokies in Castle Coliseum. Xavier beat Villanova. Arizona. Uh, for the third straight game, really struggled playing in the Pac-12 uh, loaded slate. A lot to talk about. Gentlemen, Tyler, Laval, how are we doing today, guys? Everyone good? Doing great. I'm uh, I'm glad to be back here, but I'm doing great. Laval, you're awesome. out in L.A., man. Been out in L.A., hanging, been in the uh, studio watching games all day. What's better than that? Well, that means that you must have watched uh, the Alabama and Kentucky game because that was – uh, about as bad of a beatdown that I can remember seeing the Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Wildcats take during John Calipari's tenure, 78 to 52, and it just never felt like they were in the game. Oscar Sheway, for the first time, how about this? For the first time in his 47 game career at Kentucky, had another player uh, on the opposite team out rebounding him. He was the first time he was not the leading rebounder in the game. He had six rebounds. Freshman Brandon Miller had seven. Uh, he was one for seven from the floor. Cason Wallace, one for 13 from the floor. Jacob Toppin, one for 10 from the floor. And Kentucky just, Laval, it never looked like they were into that game. It never looked they were they were competing to win that game. What's your take on Coach Cal and these Wildcats? Yeah, I'm, I mean, to me, it was more about Alabama and, uh, you know, how good they are. I, I don't know, you know, having not being there day to day. And no, I know something, you know, for Toshibwe to, uh, I think he came out of the game pretty early. And uh, the big fella from um, from Alabama had like eight, six, eight, six points or something to start the game. And, and Cal got upset with him. But so for him to be one for seven, 
uh, not rebound the ball like his normal self. Um, and for them to, you know, I don't know, not compete like you would think. Um, I'm not sure, you know, <laughs> what's going on there. I thought Alabama, like I said, they jumped him. You know, Brandon Miller is, is phenomenal. I mean, he's he's a special, special player. And I thought Nate had his guys amped up and ready to go. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I, you know, I think watching the game, uh, you know, you could say Bama, Bama's a much better team than I think a lot of people are kind of giving them credit for. Uh, and I think that uh, – I think the big Betty Aka – uh, Betty Aco, um, really gave to problems with his length. And, uh, you know, I think a big flaw for Kentucky is their outside shooting. And if they're not going to shoot the ball well, I think it allows defenses just to pack that lane inside and just kind of muck it up for to which, you know, it's, it's kind of been an issue all year is outside shooting flaws for Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I said if they can get some shooters to knock down some shots, I think it's going to open up everything for for Toshiba because kind of really the only way he's scoring right now is either either he's going to have to outrun the defense, establish himself down low, and put himself in good scoring position before they can really crowd the lane. Uh, but, you know, Bama's a great team. Uh, Brandon Miller, uh, spectacular freshman. He's only going to be there this year, so enjoy it while it lasts. But, uh, yeah, I think they're a contender and uh, that very athletic team, too, with a lot of length and, you know, you know, depth. Yeah, a question for you, Robert. This came to my mind. Like, Kentucky's one of those teams. I said this the other night on the Fox. Uh, I was on the set and we were talking about, you know, Kentucky and their struggles. And, like, that's the conversation. It brings brought to mind, like, what organizations, like the Yankees or the Cowboys, like, we'd like to talk about their struggles. <laughs> It's like maybe maybe the other team's better, but we like to talk about Kentucky and how they're struggling. Maybe Duke or Carolina. Tyler, you played at Carolina. Like that's always a, a conversation of when Carolina's struggling versus like, hey, other people can be good. Well, <laughs> I, hey, you're, I, listen, I think ahead, if they Tyler. were a little more humble when they were good, then we wouldn't rub it in when they're bad. <laughs> I think that's that's the real problem is uh, we've got to take the chance whenever they're sucking. we got to, you know, rub it in because we know it's not going to last that long, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I do I do understand what you're saying, right? And we need to have the conversation. We're going to have it in a little bit of Alabama versus Tennessee, who's the best team in the SEC, uh, because I think there's a pretty strong argument to make that it is Tennessee at this point. But to me, the 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 Kentucky conversation is is fascinating because they – we had them as a top five team in the preseason. John Fanta was on the show and said that he thought Kentucky was going to win the national title this year. And we are sitting here. It is January 7th and Kentucky right now is 10 of five on the year. They have zero quad one wins and four tries. And in those four quad one games that they have played, they've lost by an average of 16.5 points. They are just clearly not right. And I don't know. What I can't decide, guys, is if this is a team that is put together poorly and doesn't necessarily have enough talent, or if this is a team that is not being coached and, and does not have a guy that's putting their players in this position to maximize their abilities, or if it's just all of the above and nothing is working. Tyler, do you have any insight on that? Personally, from my opinion, this is purely speculation. Uh, I know Toshiwe before the season had some knee surgery, and this is just from the outside watching the game. I'm not sure if that's affecting him or not because it looked like on the ball screens he was having a little bit of difficulty 
uh, moving his feet. And I was watching the game the other night. I said, man, it just doesn't look like his, you know, his knee is quite there yet. But to me, it comes down to a huge flaw. They have no outside shooting. And, you know, I'm not sure if that has to do with, you know, maybe we've got to mix it up and do something to kind of, you know, compensate for that. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I just think they have a huge flaw. And, and until that gets better, I, I don't think they're going to really see success like they want. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think that, you know, we talk about a lot of teams in the preseason that haven't proven that they deserve to be talked about like they're talked about you, know, you take obviously Carolina had played for a national championship last year so that's you talk about them because that's warranted they did it or Houston but Kentucky had you know obviously Consolon Wallace is is a phenomenal player but with Toshiba coming off of surgery you know yeah I got Tony Antonio Reeves coming in he's a new player coming into a new system you know things that um you just don't know how it's going to fit together to be projecting on the front end so I guess coaches, fans and media and everybody loves preseason rankings. Coaches don't because it's like let some things play out before uh, before you get to that point. So I don't know if they – It sets a level of expectation, right? And from the outside, it's hard to know how good a team yeah. actually – like how is it gelling? Do people actually get along? Are there – do you have bickering in the locker room? People jealous about NIL money that somebody else is getting that they aren't getting, right? You can't know that from the yeah. outside. So there's there's a level of expectation there. Sure. No, no question. And um, you look at like Creighton, I was on the Creighton game today, like they had a, a ton of hype coming into the season. You know, things happen and who, who knows? It doesn't mean that they're not good, but doesn't mean they can't get back, you know, to what maybe the, they, their potential is either. Um, but something's got to change to get it there. You mentioned yeah. Creighton and I got a smile on my face. It's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Coach, I agree with you. I mean, it, it's still pretty early in the season. Kentucky can turn this around. Uh, and, uh, you know, last year they were a two seed. And so there Ty, is a Tyler, little. Let me ask you this. How how would they turn it around? If you, if you were John Calipari right now, what would you do to try to get them going in the direction you, you need them to be able to win? How would I turn it around? I would start mixing uh, lineups up uh, and I would have – you know, very hard practices, just to be honest, old school, bring it in, uh, put the work in and see, see what happens. But, you know, I wouldn't guarantee anybody playing time. I think, you know, Kentucky, it kind of seems like they always have talent somewhere. So somebody on that bench is ready to play and they're hungry. So I would find that and see, see if that works. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I would keep mixing things up. Yeah, and you got to give Cal credit. He did bench Sheway when Sheway had his defensive issues today. When you're benching the uh, the reigning national player of the year, it's um, it's never easy to – you know, it's interesting, Tyler. I don't know if we've talked to you about this yet on on our show, but Sheway is the first national player of the year to return since you were the national player of the year that returned. What kind of what kind of pressure is on him this season? What kind of, Is there anything hanging over him? Like, what do you remember from your experience when you came back? Well, I won it my junior year. I'm not sure if Toshiba is a senior or what he is, but, uh, you know, I didn't win it uh, the following year. Blake Griffin got it. But, you know, I was injured uh, to begin the year, too. I was out with the shin injury. But I think a lot of the pressure comes internally because you feel like you won it uh, your junior year and you put pressure on yourself to win it your senior year, and you're almost like a failure if you don't do that. Uh, but, you know, you know, I kind of feel for Toshiba because I've seen a lot of his interviews and, you know, how much, you know, importance that he put on winning the national championship this year. That seems like he was just talking about it in preseason. 
And the thing that I have is, hey, you can't win a championship, uh, you know, early November. You got to win your games then, and you got to stay focused. And I feel like those small steps, November, December, January, February, you got to take care of those months to kind of lead you on down the road in uh, late March, early uh, April to kind of win. But, uh, you know, I just hate when people start to forecast into a championship and they forget about uh, the regular season conference plays. There's a lot of games and a lot of things that can happen in between there. All right. So you mentioned this earlier, Laval. You got to give credit to the teams that are actually winning the games. Alabama won the game. Um, They are right now sitting with Tennessee as probably the favorites to win the SEC. So I'm putting both of you guys on the spot right now. Alabama has looked great since conference play. They basically look great since the game against Gonzaga that they played in Birmingham uh, and Tennessee outside of a five point loss at Arizona and that weird game against Colorado back in, uh, back in November. Um, they're just steamrolling people. They beat South Carolina by 43 on the road in league play today. And that's coming off of a 34 point win over Mississippi state. So, I'm putting you on the spot. Who's winning the league, Laval? Who's winning the SEC? Who's the best team in the conference, Tennessee or Alabama? They, that, that's tough because I, I like both of those teams. But um, I, I said this the other night too, Rob. Tennessee's the team that it's like everybody skipped over them, even though they were ranked on the preseason coming in. It was like hey, Kentucky and Arkansas and Alabama and skipped over Tennessee and started talking about Auburn. But I, I, I just think they have the makeup. They're gritty. Um, you know, Zakai Ziegler's tough and Santiago Vescovi, he's he just plays like a 40-year-old guy at the Y that just he's always gonna stay on the court and never gonna, you know, never gonna get kicked off the court. And um I just like their their moxie. And then when they can get offense, their defense is gonna show up every night. Uh, which and then when they can get some offense going, uh, which they have been now that they've gotten the SEC play, they're scoring the ball better. You know, I, I think they've got the makeup, you know, of what it takes to make a, to win the, to win the league. Tyler, you got a take on that? Yeah, I'm going Bama. Um, it's just point blank. I think Brandon Miller's a shot maker. I think he's a, he's a go-to guy. And I'm not saying that Tennessee uh, doesn't have that. I just think that Brandon Miller's that guy. And I think if you need a shot, I think later on down the, down the road, once conference play, you know, keeps progressing, I think he's going to be somebody, you know, it's going to be, you know, one of those guys in college you can just go to for a score. And also, I think Bama has depth. I think their bigs are athletic, and they're going to give a lot of people problems. And, uh, you know, both teams are very good. But for me, I think Bama wins SEC. So, Laval, tell me what you think about this, because I think you know UConn really well and this, that, that program really well. Tennessee reminds me a little bit of UConn in that when they can overwhelm you physically and athletically and with their toughness, then they can kind of run you out of the gym. If you force them to play in the half court and you force them to figure out how to kind of make a play one-on-one in a situation, um, that's when I kind of get a little bit worried about them. Same thing with you, kind of kind of get a little bit worried about them there. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I would say so. But, you know, how many teams in the SEC are going to force them to play in the half court? Not you many. know, just from style of play in, in, in the conference, um, they force people to do that you know, on the, with their, with their defense. And so I think that, you know, advantage them in, in that league, you know, the big East is a grinded out that like, it's going to be that type of street, that fight every night or the big 10, you know, SEC's not, not as much, not never, but not, not as much. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so you mentioned uh, street fights. There was one game that was definitely not a street fight. It was as up and down as any college basketball that game that we have seen this season. That is Kansas State's win at Baylor. Kansas State is now 3-0 and for the first time since 2013. They went into Waco, and they knocked off uh, number 19 Baylor, 97-95 to in overtime. It is their second straight road win over a top 25 team. They won at Texas, 116-103. to It wasn't an NBA game. It was a Big 12 basketball game. That's double <laughs> what we normally see uh, out of a Big 12 basketball game. Um, Tyler, what's your what's your take on Kansas State? How, how difficult is is this i mean look jerome tank first year on the job first year taking over he's sitting here at 14 and 1 he's sitting here at 3 and 0 in the big 12 first of all i don't think they're getting the respect that they deserve i mean i got to give you know credit to jerome tank i mean he's got this team nobody really picked them i think you know they were picked maybe last in the big 12 uh preseason and uh here they are top of the league 3 and 0 uh great position uh, not only goes into baylor uh, where he coached and gets a dub there. The team that was supposed to be uh, the, you know, the top dog in the big 12. Uh, but you know, the, the Marquise Newell uh, kid, he is a good player. And uh, I think he's a, he's a shot maker and he's a guy you can go to to get buckets. I love his game. I think he's tough and uh, he makes his free throws uh, down the stretch too. I think he's uh yeah, I, I much respect Kansas State. I think they're playing well. Love, I, I, you know, I don't know if they can win the league. And I just love Tang. You know, he's he's the, the most positive guy you, you you ever meet. So I'm just happy for him, you know, to get it, to wait this long to, to kind of be picky about. He probably could have had an opportunity much longer, much earlier than this. And uh, for it to be turning out like this in year one, like you don't know what to expect in year one uh, based on the roster you inherit and some of the guys, you just don't know. But, you know, I think he's uh, he's having a lot of fun doing it and proving himself that he's a really good coach. So I'm I'm just enjoying, you know, watching him. And and they've got one of the best stories in Keontae. Um, I forget what's the kid's last name. The, Keontae Johnson. Florida, Keontae Johnson. We we coached against him and, I remember when everything went went down at Florida when he when he fell out and you know unbelievable story there. So they they just got an aura about just kind of a a positive aura about them <laughs> that is like almost destined. <laughs> yeah, they they the the interesting thing about that game was that Jerome Tang was on Scott Drew's bench for I think it was nineteen years. I think he was there for two decades. He he started at Baylor with Scott Drew and helped build that program from. People call it a rebuilding job. It's not a rebuilding job. It was a building job. There was nothing there when they got to when they got to Baylor, and they built it into a team that can win national titles and a team that can get to Final Fours and a team that can win Big Twelve titles. Um, and and Tang helped do that. So Laval, I don't know if you've been in a situation where uh, where you kind of came home wearing a different different team's jersey, but how difficult do you think that was on him? That it, it, it's tough, and I'm trying to think. You know, I, I, I didn't really have that where I had to, you know, come back to somewhere that I coached or played um, and and be on the other sideline. So I don't know what that feeling's like. It had to be had to be awkward for him. Uh, and then to be, you know, going up against coach, I guess probably the the weirdest thing. We played Ohio State my first year at Butler. And it was weird for my guy for my guys because Coach Holtman who was their coach the year before. Now they're playing against him. So I'm sure some of the players looking over and seeing coach Tang, you know, he's their guy and he recruited, you know, a few, you know, a bunch of them. 
probably was weird for them as well. Weird for the families. Like my wife knew, knew, knew a lot of the staff's wives on, on Ohio state staff. Cause some of us had worked together before. So it's kind of awkward for them. Uh, but once you start playing the game, you know, you're, you're competing. Um, so I don't know what that was like for Tang. I was just, like I said, happy for him. N- mo- neither one of them scouted the other team well, cause they both scored 90 plus points. <laughs> but, but that's what Kansas state has been doing. I mean, I mean, they've been running up scores, uh, like crazy, which is, you know, uh, which is impressive. Yeah. So Tyler, you mentioned Marquise Noel. I, I got a, I got a stat for you here. I got a fact for you. You ready for this? In the last two games combined, he has 68 points and 23 assists. He had 32 and 14 tonight. He had 36 and nine against Texas. Both of those were on the road. Both of those were against top 20 opponents. In the last 10 seasons, there have been three players that in a two game span, had 65 points and 20 assists combined. One, Marquise Noel the last two games. The other two, Ja Morant and Trey Young. That's that's the company that he is in right now with the way that he's playing. And when you take a guy like Marquise Noel and a guy like Keontae Johnson, who is good enough to be all Big 12, like yeah, it's kind of when you have the two best guys, like coaching is kind of easy, right? Is that I don't want to I don't want to like dumb it down, but <laughs> hey, it helps. All great coaches were made by great players, trust me. Coach Williams looks a lot, looks really good because Tyler Harris was over there. Well, I haven't seen many great coaches without great or good players yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it helps. Uh, he is a player, and I I was watching him, and uh, I actually I played three years in China, and the the guard in China the they allowed two imports. And they were just they they always look for scores. And uh to me, I was just like, man, that guy is just the perfect player. If he doesn't go to the league, I mean he's got a yeah, I mean he's uh he is and a scorer four, five, for seven. sure. He's what? Yeah. And he's, he's five, like five seven. Eight. Exactly. Five, eight. And I mean that's they're they're just looking for scores. And I think uh, you know, what he's doing right now, you know, in that company says a lot, but I mean, he is a player. He's fun to watch. I wish I'd watch him more now. Uh, now that Kansas State's kind of got it rolling, maybe we'll get to see him more. Oh, don't worry. Here's we're, a funny we're thing, be watching Rob. them plenty, Tyler. We're going to be watching him quite a bit this year. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Laval. People call call us all the time as coaches, and we get this question a lot. Like, hey, how you feel about little guards? Like, what what do you have to do as a little guard to to get recruited? <laughs> so I'm looking at. You know, I'm looking at him play. I'm like, you got to do that. Like, you have to be dynamic. <laughs> you got to be dynamic. <laughs> you can't, if you're a small guy to play at this level. I mean, I know, and he did it at Arkansas Little Rock, right? Before, um, you know, before transferring over to K-State. Uh, but you got to be special when you're when you're a small guard out there. Yeah, and the thing about it is he can kind of climb up in you defensively too. Like, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and play on that end of the floor. It's just I'm always blown away by coaches that can come in and kind of rebuild and retool a roster. Like, it's not it's not like he came into a team that was already built, right? Like, there were, I think there were 11 new guys on this team. Mm-hmm. Naquan Tomlin wasn't there last year. Keontae Johnson wasn't there last year. Um, the Eola kid transferred in. Tyke Green transferred in. Desi Sills. Like, he rebuilt this team. And and it's always – I always get really impressed by guys that can get everybody together. And I don't know if there's anyone better than Jerome Tang at doing that. Yeah, his his energy can do it. You know, just like I said, Jerome and who he is, like he's he's ultimately positive, just human being. And so if you're around him, you're going to feel like you got a chance. Mm-hmm. 
we were uh we were lucky enough to be joined by jerome tang he actually called in from the hangar as they were getting on the private jet uh, i don't know if there's a better feeling than hopping on a jet while you are getting ready to uh to fly home from a road win over a ranked team so let's head over to the interview with jerome tang right now and now let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark for the second time this week. I think it's the first time in the history of the show that we've had somebody on twice in one week. That's how good the Kansas State Wildcats are playing. Jerome Tang, what's going on, man? Congratulations on the win. Thank you very much, man. So uh, thankful for this opportunity to, you know, coach the Kansas State Wildcats and blessed by God to be in this position and, you know, got a you do and i'm going to start you off with this because i don't even know if you know this stat uh marquise noel last two games has 68 points and 23 assists both road wins over top 20 opponents in conference play in the last 10 years there have been two other players that have had more than 65 points and more than 20 assists in back-to-back games john morant and trey young and Marquise Noel. Talk to me about this dude. I know yeah, I, you talked him up in the preseason. I know you love him, but I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's growing every day. Uh, I mean, this is a combination of a bunch of hard work that he's put in, and um, I just happen to get to be the head coach that, that he performs for, you know, but our whole staff has done a great job. He's bought into what we want to do and what we want it to look like, and um, when it's time for him to go, go, go be that guy, he, he can be that guy and uh man it's, it's just a lot of fun and to see hard work pay off so you guys are now 14 and 1 3 and 0 in the big 12 for the first time since 2013 what has gone into this start how have you guys gotten to the point where now you're looking at hey you know what you're in the mix for the big 12 regular season like you're gonna be there all season long what what's been the key to this start for you We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But, you know, we got the veteran guys. Like, the guys we recruited are winners, right? And that was something that was very important to us, to find guys who had won, whether, you know, got eight state championships, uh, at the high school level and guys who have won NCAA tournament games and, you know, been a winning program. So they understand the sacrifice that it takes to win. And then when you win, how everybody benefits from it. And so uh, night in and night out, you're seeing guys sacrifice and suffer for the game in order to help our team win. And, you know, that, that, that's what lives. But we're not like thinking about, 
a, a big twelve championship. We're thinking about winning the doing the next thing that's right. Like like what what's the next thing that we gotta go one and over with? You know, and uh you know, so now we're getting on this plane, get back to Manhattan to get the rest because we gotta do the next thing to go one and over in the next thing. Right. So obviously this is a, a little bit of a bittersweet win for you, right? You spent two decades with Scott helping him build up that Baylor program into a national title winning program. What were your emotions when you, when you first walked out there and instead of wearing, you know, Baylor green, you have on Kansas state purple. Yeah. Um, you know, before it wasn't fun because, you know, you just think of somebody that you love, you know, one of us is going to going to win and one of us going to lose and neither one of us is going to be happy. Right, and that's that's just the nature of what where we're at. And then uh, after the game, it wasn't fun because you know, you know, just the results, and you know, they have two one possession losses in a row, and yeah, I, I never want to see the guy I love, you know, hurt, you know, and and I know because I've been there in those one point one possession losses with him, and I know how much he, he puts on himself and. You know, just he's not going to sleep tonight. So that, that's not any fun. Now, the actual 45 minutes of game was a blast. I mean, the crowd was great. The, there was a warm reception at the beginning. And uh, just watching both teams that have dudes just make plays, you know, play after play. And uh, so, so that was a lot of fun. I'm sure that, you know, it, it wasn't fun after the game now, but I'm sure in the offseason when you see Scott, you, you know, you, you might you might remind him about this win at some point, right? You know, um, man, our, our relationship is as such that, like, we never, we don't, we don't rib each other, you know, like, we don't, we just, it's just, there's too many people out there who are already, like, you know, they mm-hmm. people, sarcasm, they say 85% of sarcasm is meant to be true. And Just say Jeff people, Goodman. You can say you can say Jeff yeah, Goodman does it enough for everybody. You know, yeah, yeah, they they operate in sarcasm, man. And I, I'm just telling you, I absolutely love Scott Drew, and and I'm hurting for him tonight. I'm happy for our players. I'm happy for our fans, right? And um, just looking forward to the next thing. I love Tang. He's he's just the most positive, uh, positive human, positive vibes only guy. I think in uh, in, in college basketball coaching, him and Scott Drew is just. They're always happy and they're always smiling. All right, let's talk big picture, Big Twelve. Um, how how worried are you guys about Baylor? Is this something where, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I can't remember if it was on air or off air, but there have been fifteen games played in the Big Twelve this season. At the end of regulation, every one of those games has either gone to overtime or ended as a one possession game, which tells you how how difficult and how tough this conference is. So, is this just a result, Laval, of, of Baylor kind of? being on the wrong side of variance a little bit and, and maybe not hitting the shots when they need to hit the shots, or is there something structurally wrong with this group? Uh, yeah, I, I know watching them uh, and I've caught them a few times. It's, it's more, you know, I watched the Marquette game and they got, you know, Marquette jumped on them and didn't let up. And and that was a, a tough one for them. And uh, I think turn, the turnovers is an issue. You know, they're, they're averaging about 14 a game uh, and they've got, Three three good guards, you know, for them, and then they're defensively, you know, they're not as just what we're accustomed to the past couple of years of, you know, obviously, uh, you had um, uh, Davion Smith and and Jared Butler and those guys, and they were pretty dynamic uh, defensively. So I think you know they've they've got a couple quad one wins. They're a good team. Um, you know, it's not time. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. There's going to be so many opportunities in front of them in the Big Twelve, but. 
Yeah, we got to take care of the basketball better and start start guarding people better. Mm-hmm. Tyler, there were a lot of uh, a lot of crazy results in the Big Twelve today. All five road teams won. Uh, Kansas won at West Virginia. Texas won at Oklahoma State. Iowa State uh, won at TCU, and Oklahoma won at Texas Tech. Where where are you kind of standing um, in terms of you know most impressive win today and most impressive team that you've seen? Uh, most impressive win today probably goes to Kansas State. Uh, you know, I I think the way they turn around and go into Baylor, uh, especially after Baylor's lost uh, you know two conference games. Uh, they're got, they've got to be hungry for a win. So they're trying to dial up everything they can do. Uh, but for me, big picture in the big 12, I think Kansas, uh, is a top dog right now. I consider them a contender, uh, but also Texas. I like Texas and uh, I think they, they're a good team. I think they're, they're big athletic and, uh, good defensively. Uh, so I think Texas can be, uh, for sure a contender, but those two, and you got to put Kansas state in there, uh, right now, you got to give them credit the way they're playing, but Baylor, I, you know, I'm not sure I pulled a panic button, but you know, I'm thinking about breaking the the glass before I hit the fire alarm for sure. Most impressive win had to be Iowa state at TCU, right? TCU ran mm-hmm. up 11 straight. And, uh, that was like, you know, for them to go down there, I know it took them all the way to the last shot to get it done, but yeah, I thought, yeah, that was extremely impressive. You know, doesn't I don't know if Iowa State's going to win the league. I think Kansas is. I mean, Bill, what Coach Self's doing in terms of uh, they're playing different because of their personnel, and they got freshmen stepping up, Grady Dick, and performing like you know that as we as we were used to outside of maybe you know last two three years where Baylor had you know a, a couple special groups. Kansas is the class of the of the Big Twelve again. It's fascinating watching this Kansas group play, Tyler, because when you think about Bill Self teams, you think about teams that are going to find a way to get the ball in the post, right? Uh, I think when you were playing, it was more of like the high-low kind of two-man game, right? Uh, the last couple of years has been four around one. We're going to find ways to create seals for Yudoka Azubuki and David McCormick. And now they're just going full five out playing KJ Adams, who's like six six on a good day as a five-man. It's It's – it's been very interesting to watch Bill Self kind of reinvent himself. Yeah, you got to give him credit. To me, he's, you know, in the running for coach of the year right now. What he's doing, and you, you're right, uh, Self is kind of a mastermind with the, those two post players and the way they move and mixing it up. Uh, but for what they're doing, to me, when I look at the roster, they really don't even have a center. And kind of just changing up his whole style, uh, especially after winning the title last year and then coming back and – you know, the, you know, Grady Dick's unbelievable. He's doing big things, but just to kind of change that whole system up and uh, to have their, you know, his guys playing the way I, they are right now, uh, it's very impressive. About how hard is that to to kind of change what you do? Yeah, I think it, it's it's what makes you, you know, you have to be adaptable at, at, at coaches. When I worked with uh with, with Coach Beeline, I remember. I nicknamed him the LL Cool J of college basketball. It's like regardless of what decade it is, LL Cool J can he can he can morph himself and he's always got a hits, right? <laughs> Back in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, like he could he could he could just adjust. Uh, and so being adaptable is a part of it um, for certain. I think offensively is is uh, easier a lot of times than defensively. You know, most coaches are are pretty. Um, you know, set in their ways, but can adjust, you know, depending on the scout maybe or something. Per- 
offensively though when you have like coach self in, in this instance or if you're like Creighton uh I think you know Greg McDermott's adjusted to having Ryan Cockburner and that's not typically what you think of when you think of Creighton having a dominant big guy um so you have to do it you know because you obviously you get good players you want good players and you play to their strengths that is the first time in the history of the world that anybody has compared John Beeline and LO. <laughs> it'll never you like that never one. Again. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I had to um, tell him who LO Cool J was after I called him that. So that, that is that's it. the least surprising thing I've ever heard. Uh, all right. So the, the last thing I want to hit you guys on is this. Um, uh, Tyler, I want your perspective as a player. Laval, I want your perspective as a coach. Obviously, there has been a lot of turmoil at Texas over the course of the last three to four weeks. Uh, it was, I think it was on Thursday, um, they officially announced that that they are firing Chris Beard. Um, he has not been with the program for three weeks. Rodney Terry has kind of been running things over there. They reeled off, I want to say it was nine straight before losing. Um, and they went out and they won today, 56, 46 at Oklahoma state, uh, Tyler, how have you ever had a situation either in college or in the pros where you had a coach that kind of had their, um, had that hanging over your head. You ever had a coaching change mid season. Have you ever dealt with something like that? I have, um, not in this way, by the way, uh, you know, the, the thought of even coach Williams, you know, waiting for, yeah, this whole situation with coach Williams wouldn't, it's not even the realm of possibility, but, uh, yeah, it is, a, you know, it's a sad situation uh, there. But as a player's perspective, uh, I played when I was with the Pacers. They made a coaching switch from Jim O'Brien to Frank Vogel midseason. And, you know, to be honest with you, the transition there was very smooth because there was a little bit of turmoil. Then we came in with a whole different uh, viewpoint with a different coach, new style, everything. So it kind of revamped us. Uh, but this situation to me is totally different. And, you know, as a player, I'm not sure, you know, I know that uh, when uh, Chris Beard got in trouble, you know, they had a game the next day. And in my mind, I was like, I can't imagine what these kids are thinking uh, with everything and all this going out in the news. Uh, but no, I, it's it honestly, it is a credit to their assistance to have that team focused and uh, to kind of, you know, put them in position to win like they have been is uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, from from a coach's lens, lens, Rob, it was it's more um, I haven't experienced anything like that, um, and I give a lot of credit to the, to to Rodney Terry and the staff mm-hmm. to just and 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 if well, what would I do? Empower the players. You know, they all committed. They committed to Chris Beard, but they also committed to Texas. They all came with hopes of winning a Big Twelve championship and national championship, and so um, you turn. You know, you just kind of try to turn a negative into a positive, and it's a and they have a coaching staff that has, you know, Bob Donawald, Chris Ogden, Steve McClain, Rodney Terry, like all those guys have head coaching experience for numbers and numbers of years. So so they they those guys, um, you know, they have the knowledge to just put that on the players. And then they have an example, like just they can point to the Boston Celtics and say, Hey fellas, like here's a blueprint. Like they had something happen and it, nobody was, you know. Hope nobody knew that was going to happen. It was a surprise to everyone, but those guys are still on their mission. You know, Joe Mazzula steps in, so you at least have maybe an example right in front of you that you can point to um, to use for you know something to help the kids. And I don't think it was a surprise to the kids because it lingered for a bit. If it would have been you know bang overnight, uh, what just happened to coach? They they probably thought about what if 
you know, this happens and had some time to process it um, before it actually happened. All right. So it's now time for my favorite segment of the night, the UConn segment. We are going to jump into UConn's <laughs> bounce back 69 to 60 win over Creighton. The first time Dan Hurley has beaten Creighton and beaten Greg McDermott since they came back to the Big East. Uh, Dama Sanogo, 26 points, nine boards. Jordan Hawkins had 17. Tristan Newton had 13 points, was actually able to get to the foul line again. So uh, I'll hit you first on this one, Laval. You coached the Big East last year. You do uh, Fox Sports and Fox Sports 1 um, work now uh, covering the Big East. So take me through kind of what you saw from UConn today um, and why it finally worked against, against Creighton. Is Tyler ready for you to have a UConn? Have you ever had a UConn segment with, with Douster? No, I don't think he has. <laughs> no, sir. He has not. <laughs> <laughs> you you ready for this? This, is the, this might be the end of the show here. Um, <laughs> no, I thought what, what I said prior to the game, Rob, was um, Creighton had beaten them five straight times. And so they hadn't, since rejoining the Big East, they had not beaten Creighton. And, um, you know, they're offensively, they had never scored above 63 points. They had averaged 63 points, got 70 once, and James Booknight had to go for 40 that night, and they still lost. Um, They had never shot above 40%. So Greg, you know, Greg and the staff kind of had their number um, defensively. And I thought they took that to heart tonight. And, and, you Adama Sanogu took uh, the matchup personal. He had never scored more than 13 points in a, in a few matchups against them. And, um, and they made it a mission to feed the big fella. I thought Jordan Hawkins, Jordan Hawkins was tremendous in the first half, just off actions. He was aggressive. He was smooth. And, uh, and then defensively, they, they did the job, you know, just forcing every, there was one point in the game where Creighton, they missed like 12 straight shots in the second half and UConn really buckled down. So I thought it was an important win for them coming off, you know, two straight losses. And um, and they stepped up and, and and got it done at home, which you need to protect home court. Yep, absolutely. So you mentioned how uh, Adama Sanogo had struggled against Ryan Kalkbrenner earlier this season on this very network, the Field of 68, on our Creighton podcast, Welcome to the J. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner um, had some things to say about Adama Sanogo that the staff discovered and the staff played for him before this game to kind of get him fired up a little bit. Uh, I think we have that audio right now, Trevor. Big East team is obviously UConn. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've had a just the teams have had a good rivalry, and then obviously they got Sonogo, who they picked as player of the year. And, you know, I got to bite my tongue a little bit about my thoughts about that selection. But, you know, definitely looking forward to that game and seeing what people think about player of the year after that. I have never beaten the team and lost them every single time I play them. I try to I'd circle that game too. But like, I don't know, it's just fun to go up against bigs that other people say are good. Me, I, I don't know about that. But but I just, last year, I obviously did really, really good against them. And, you know, I'm just looking to repeat that performance because I think they go a long way in proving people wrong for making that selection. So that was uh, that was interesting for Ryan Kalkbrenner. Tyler, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Have you, one, ever had a situation where a player said something in the media before a game? And two, what what would your reaction be in that situation if you were hearing it? Well, first of all, I would definitely use it as motivation. So uh, you got to be smarter than that. Uh, but also my thing is you should never worry about uh, being picked as conference player of the year or whatever. 
you know, there's a lot of, you know, conference player of the years, you know, who aren't actually the best player. I think last year, uh, you know, the kid from Wake Forest and then they had the coach of the year. They didn't make the tournament. So it's not a good indication of overall team performance. But to me, that was just kind of selfish. But also, uh, you never really want to give the the team motivation and, uh, you know, especially who you're going against, especially a guy like Sonogo. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I got to give their coach credit for finding it, uh, digging it up and giving it to him because he, he had one of his best games of the year. Uh, so, you know, you know, sometimes you got to learn a lesson the hard way and uh, not not talk trash publicly. I didn't I didn't know that that thing existed until I saw a tweet about it after the game from Dave Borgers, who covers the uh, covers the Huskies for CTinsider.com. I had, I had no idea. It was on our network. I had no idea it happened. I have no idea how they found it. They uh, I think that staff needs to find, uh, you know, get a hobby or two, maybe find, <laughs> find something to do in the offseason. Um, Laval, uh, as as a coach. Uh, if you, when you hear this, um, what would, what would your reaction of this be if this happened, uh, on your team? You know, I, I just don't, don't poke the bear, right? Like we don't need, it's already hard enough to win and, and we don't need to, to give them bullet, bullet, bulletin board material, um, you know, to, to have that. There's enough of a right. Like those two kids, are, they're good players. They already have a competitive rivalry. If, if no words are said, Tyler, I'm sure, you know, like, you had competitive individual matchups that you wanted to win and nobody said a word. So you don't, you don't need extra fuel on the fire. And, and, and Snogo hadn't been playing like, you know, he'd been, he'd been playing, he, they lost a couple. He hadn't played his best. And now, you know, Danny Hurley's trying to find something to get him to, to level up. Uh, and, and he can, he can go back in the archives and find something like that. So I think as a coach, you, you try to get your guys, there's just so much access and guys have so many microphones and, cameras and you know many ways to speak their mind which isn't always a good thing for the team yeah i think hunter dickinson is the guy that's finding that out the hard way um this season I, honestly like big picture putting any uconn bias aside i think that this is a good thing for the Big East, just because i think having rivalries where there is a healthy dislike between teams tyler is a that's like that's a good thing for the sport that's a good thing for the league when fans are looking forward to seeing UConn go into Creighton and play this game again because you know Adama and Ryan Kalkbrenner maybe don't like each other too much they're probably two big, big guys in the conference right like that's that's the kind of thing that gets people intrigued so I I kind of love it I kind of love that they don't really like each other another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, as a fan, yeah, you asked me as a coach. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> No, no, I like it. Anytime you can add extra fuel uh, to get the fans there. And um, yeah, coming from, you know, NC State's kind of known for, you know, a lot of that. Uh, it's not necessarily from the players, but it's from the fans. So I always got the engine rev revved up to play against them. Uh, but no, I agree. I mean, it's uh, it is exciting for for us to, to watch the game and the fans definitely definitely adds a whole new aspect to it. And I think uh you know, Hunter Dickinson, you just talked about it. He's kind of becoming that person that, 
when he goes to away games now, it seems like every uh, fan base is going to be after him. He's going to be one of these guys in college where, you know what, people just ain't going to like him unless it's a Michigan fan. I, I think Michigan fans are starting to get a little bit frustrated too because uh, he's he keeps talking, but he ain't doing the winning, right? They keep losing. They lost again today um, to Michigan State. Laval, you asked this when we were off air a second ago. I'm going to give you, I swear, my one-minute take on on what got exposed with UConn uh, in, in uh, Providence. Get, get it. I'll see, let's see if we agree. Go ahead. So my, my thing is UConn is – is exceptional at the things that you can control based on effort, right? Whether it is the rebounding, the defense, how hard they play, their toughness, and they're really, really good at running like the the scripted robotic stuff that that Hurley um, that Hurley calls. He has so many counters and so many sets and so many ways they can get different shots off different actions, basically off the same setup, right? Um, they're really good at that stuff. But if you scout it well, you figure out what they're running and you can kind of stop it and switch it and scheme your defense to be able to take it away, then they don't really have a guy that can go get you one, and they don't really get to the free throw line, right? They don't have a guy that can get to the paint and draw contact, and Adama, as good as he is, so much of his damage are like these kind of little fadeaway jump hooks. He's not really going through people. He's not putting his shoulder into people. He's not drawing fouls. So to me, that's the issue is they don't really have – when what they do well doesn't work, they don't have a guy that can go break you down, get a shot, stop a run, do things like that. They do all the other stuff well, but when it comes to just needing a bucket, being able to give it to a guy and say, get the hell out of the way, you go get us a shot, they don't have that dude, and I think that's what we saw. But big picture, they lost at Providence and at Xavier, who are the two best teams in the conference that aren't named UConn. It's not – like the, the sky is not falling. No, I, I, was, I was saying if we were on the same page because they asked me on this set, and I said exactly a ball in the hand guy. They had RJ Cole last year when things, you know, when there was when the play didn't work, who can make a play? Um, but two was the the four man matchup. Like today, mm-hmm. Kaluma was five for sixteen. So you had Xavier, Jerome Hunter, and, and Freeman will combine for twenty six. Bryce Hopkins goes for twenty seven because they're going at the freshman caravan at the four. They went double bigs. They played Sonoga at the four to try to match the bully Bryce Hopkins. So if you now everybody doesn't have a four man that that could expose them and Kaluma didn't, you know, if he made some of the shots he took and did that he was trying, he just didn't, he wasn't as productive as the other guys. Yeah, I'm not super worried about that because I do think they're going to get Samson Johnson back soon, and I think he kind of mitigates Helps. that a little bit. He yeah. was, yeah, he he started their first game and he started their scrimmage, so he's like he he outperformed Caravan in the off season to the point that they were going to start him. So we'll see what happens. Tyler's getting bored enough. UConn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, all right, moving on. Let's talk <laughs> ACC uh, because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk there. We'll start with your Tar Heels, Tyler. And I just got to say, I got to show the people I wore my shirt in support, right? Our K knockout shirt, our K out shirt. Um, where do you stand on this North Carolina team right now? Uh, how good do you feel about them? They're kind of, it feels like they're kind of getting things going in the right direction. I know that Pete Nance hasn't played. Um, I think he's missed two games in a row, but you, you got a you got a really nice win today. Yeah, every win's a good win. Uh, I don't care who it's against. Uh, Notre Dame's kind of struggling, just to be one hundred percent honest. I think they're zero and three in ACC play. Uh, but for me, um, I think a big issue that uh, Carolina has had in the past is its assists. And early on, when we were struggling. Uh, you can look at the assists, the team assists. I think one game we had four. And today I think we had 19 assists to eight turnovers. And I think that is a huge deal. And I think 
where we really struggled, especially last year, uh, was casual turnovers. And I think we've kind of cut that out. But you mentioned Pete Nance not playing today. To me, uh, I thought that Seth Trimble came in and played huge. And I think his stat line didn't look good, but this team needs some depth. And I think it also gave uh, Coach Davis a lot of confidence in his bench. I think Trimble has been somebody that's come in off the bench and provided some winning plays. Uh, He's athletic. He can get up there, block some shots. He'll run the court and do things that help you win a basketball game. And from my eyes, uh, him and Puff Johnson. Puff Johnson had 11.6 rebounds and one assist in 11 minutes. That's big coming off the bench for us. So he's one of those guys that can provide depth too. But uh, in all honesty, when Ma- when Armando's playing well, he's getting rebounds, he's putting himself in position, and he's running the court and not having to have sets called for him. Uh, I think that's where we really thrive. And the more we share the ball as a team and cut turnovers uh, down, I think this is where Carolina is really going to excel. I got another stat for you, Tyler, part of the research that I did for the show. Uh, When they play um, R.J. Davis, Seth Trimble, and Caleb Love together, the three-point guard lineup, they've now played together for 94 minutes. This comes from Adrian Atkinson, um, (laughs) who who posted this. Uh, North Carolina has an efficiency margin of plus 18.3. Um, which is about as ideal as you could possibly get. That's a really, really good mm-hmm. number. And their offensive rating is, if you extrapolate it out for the whole season, they'd be the best offensive team in college basketball. Based off, it's only been like 94 minutes that they play together. But those three, it looks pretty good when you have those three on the floor together. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's a great stat. But, uh, you know, they, they need some more minutes. I'm not sure how much minute, how many minutes they've played. I know uh, Tremble's kind of been in and out. But to me, I've also said that R.J. Davis is one of the biggest X factors in the country. I think when he's hitting shot, I think it when he's hitting shots, I think it takes pressure off of Caleb and Armando and also opens things up, uh, you know, for those guys. But uh, you know, I do like Caleb, RJ, and Trimble in together because they can really push that ball. And I think our tempo has been a little bit slower in the past. And when they do that, uh, you know, I think it, you know, kind of allows us not to have to sit there and call plays and run sets because that's where we kind of get stagnant with our offense and the defense kind of just loads up on our mondo. So I do like that combo. North Carolina has now won six of their last seven games after they lost uh, four in a row, I believe it was. Uh, so it looks like they're starting to right the ship. It looks like they're starting to figure it out. Losing at Pitt, we'll talk about Pitt in a little bit, but losing at Pitt by two doesn't look like a horrible loss at this point, like what we thought it was when it happened at the time. Um, the other team in North Carolina that is playing well is NC State. They are now 13-4 and four in the season. They have won five of their last six. They just beat Duke at home by 24, and today they beat Virginia Tech on the road in Blacksburg, we were able to catch up with Turquavian Smith uh, while he was sitting on the bus eating his mozzarella sticks, getting ready for the drive home through the mountains. So, Trevor, we could queue up that interview now. And now let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark, the star of NC State's win at Virginia Tech tonight, Turquavian Smith. He had 22 points, five rebounds, and three assists. I'm going to start you off with this. I know Scott Wood, and Scott Wood has called you Baby T to me. Is is that is that what your nickname is? Oh uh, yes, that is what my nickname is. I got it from my mom, actually. Why? Uh, I don't know. She just always called me that when I was little. I guess because my name long and I was a baby, so that makes sense. And it's stuck, and it's still there. And now everybody calls you that. Yeah, everybody called me that. You know, 
All right, let's talk about this game tonight. 22 points, five rebounds, three assists. Virginia Tech, I don't know how many people realize this outside the ACC. Not an easy place to play. You guys went in there. You go 14 at the half. You hung on. Big win, quad one win for you guys. Talk me through what happened tonight. Uh, we just wanted to keep that same energy we had from the previous game against Duke. So we preached a lot about being aggressive on defense, you know, not letting them run their sets easy and just, you know, be more aggressive than them and wanted more. So I feel like that's what we did. And we executed well on offense also. So we pulled off this good road win. You mentioned the win over Duke as well. Um, you guys picked up two quad one wins this week, and quad one wins matter when it comes to NCAA tournament time, selection Sunday time. I'm sure you're not thinking about that much at this point, but it was a couple of statement wins. It feels like you guys have kind of uh, put yourself on the map a little bit after a slow start in ACC play. Where do you think you stand right now as a team? Uh, I feel like we're all good over here. You know, uh, we, we got a good group of guys. We all like each other. We all play together and put each other first, so – that just helps us, you know. We all push each other, and we all want to win, so it all adds up with us. When you when people talk about backcourts in the ACC, you always hear about Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. You hear about Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack, and deservedly so. Those guys are really good. But you and Jarkel have put together, you know, some pretty one impressive numbers and two. Now you're starting to put together the wins to back that up. Uh, do you feel like you guys have been, I don't want to say, like, underrated, but does it feel like people are kind of not paying enough attention to you at this point? I mean, to you us, can say yes. Uh, you can say yes. <laughs> I mean, we really don't. I mean, yes, but we really don't. We don't look into all that. We just want to hoop, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. We gonna go at everybody, so we just more focused on getting wins. And if we always talk about if we win it, there's really nothing they can say. So we just need to get wins, and then like, the wins talk for themselves. In in the off season, this last off season, you you had a chance to go to the NBA draft. You had a chance to declare. You had a chance. Uh, to go to the next level, and you opted to return to school to come play back for Coach Keats. What what kind of went into that decision to come back for your sophomore year? Uh, you know, just for growth, uh, I got some feedback in the in the in the process, and uh, the feedback I got, I feel like I could be better, you know, and work on that, and come back and work on that. So I decided to come back to school and show them that I can do what they said that I needed to work on. So that's what that's how that went. What is it about Coach Keats that gets the best out of guards like you and Jarkel? Uh, you get freedom as long as you're guarding, you know. So he lets you shoot a lot of shots, whatever shots you want to. Honestly, you just got to guard. If you're guarding, you get freedom on offense. So that's how, that's what type of coach he is. And he lets you run a lot, a lot of ball screens. So, like, you just can feed off your own energy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the the style that he plays, right? It feels like when you kind of get out and press, you're playing 94 feet. Uh, that can that can mess with some teams, right? Uh, is that is that something that was coached in you before you got there? Or was it something that uh, part of the reason why um, you went to a program like what Coach Keats runs? Uh, I mean, Coach always been the type who makes you press up 94 feet. Uh, that really had nothing to do with me coming here, but you know, I like to uh, you know be aggressive, run fast get out in transition and and pressing 94 feet causes turnovers and easy runouts so it makes it the game a lot more easier you know teams don't handle pressure well and you know a lot of guards you know with somebody always in front of them or on their hip it, it gets hard for them so you guys this is the last question i got for you t you guys are on the bus home you're heading from blacksburg uh back to raleigh right What's your, what are you doing on the bus? How are you guys passing the time? You just got a big win on the road, right? What are you doing to pass the time for the next, what is it, three, four hours? 
Yeah, no. uh, we really just laugh and joke. You know, they got us some pizza. I got some mozzarella sticks. But yeah, we don't <laughs> we don't too much rekindle on the game. You know, we just want to enjoy the win and we're gonna move on to the next game. Is anybody else on the bus right now? Let me see who's back there. Yeah, I got DJ right here beside me, Bit Burns. I don't know if y'all can see him. There you go, right there. There we go, big man. I got Jordan Snell. I don't know if y'all know Jordan Snell. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, man, congr congratulations. Enjoy those mozzarella sticks. There's really nothing better than some celebratory mozzarella sticks. And hopefully yeah. we'll get you on here soon again. Keep that winning streak going. So NC State is playing well. They're three and three in the league. Pitt is playing well. They uh, are one point away from being five and zero in the conference. They lost at home to Clemson, who is sitting all alone in first place in the ACC at five and zero. Duke won on a late, uh, a pair of late free throws from Kyle Filipowski today at Boston College. He did it without Jeremy Roach, who's still dealing with the toe injury. And Miami is still sitting there four and one. I know they just lost to Georgia Tech, but I don't know if you're going to find a better backcourt in the conference than Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack Laval. I'm going to you first on this one is clemson really the best team in the acc and remember terrence oglesby is listening to this right now so be careful what you say you want him coming after hey they're five and oh like who's to say that <laughs> like why wouldn't we say they're, they're the best team right now in the acc uh and hunter tyson's playing like a first team all-conference guy at 31 the other night uh against nc state to get get that done i mean brad bernell's doing a tremendous job like i can't I can't knock them. I, I like the way they're playing. Um, you know, I think Pitt is for real. You know, the, we were. I think everybody was trying to figure out if that was a, a legitimate deal. Um, but you know, Blake Henson and Jamaris Burton, like they they are legit. And Greg Elliott has been a great addition in the transfer market. Just a solid piece. Uh, best team. I mean, those two are playing as good as any the best right now. Uh, probably along with Miami. But who wins it at the end of the day? I I, I can't say I don't know. I mean, <laughs> next week it'll probably feel different. Yeah, right. Tyler, where do you stand? I think Miami's uh up there. You gotta give Clemson credit. Uh, but to me, I think it's Miami, Pitt, UNC. Um, and as I look, uh man, I hate to say it. No, I'm not gonna say it. Uh yeah, I think those guys, <laughs> I think that would be, you know, the top Clemson, Miami, Pitt, and UNC to me. What about UVA? I still think UVA at the end of the day is a top two team, you know, first or second at the finish. At no, the you're right. I left them off. Yeah, you're right. They they deserve to be up there for sure. They're they're playing well. Can I play devil's advocate there on on Virginia a little bit? I, I just I don't see the level of of talent there, right? I, I think that they're missing if you look at the teams that they won big with, uh, they had Joe Harris. They had Malcolm Brogdon. They had Anthony Gill, who was a stud. They had Justin Anderson. They won the title. They had Ty Jerome. They had Kyle Guy, and they had DeAndre Hunter. And I just do not see that level of dude on this year's Virginia team. They're good. They're not going to beat themselves. They have guys that know how to win games. But I just think that there is a little bit, I don't want to say like a lack of, of talent, but I, I don't see that high-end elite level killer that they've had on some of their past best teams. No, no, you're right. I don't, I don't disagree with it. I just think defensively, you know, you're not going. They don't let you get away from them, and they got enough veteran players, um, especially the guards, that'll find a way to win. You know, enough games to be right there in the end. 
I, I agree with you. They don't beat themselves much. Uh, they're a smart team, disciplined. They have veterans, uh, which which goes a long way. They may not have any of those killers that you're talking about, but they always have one of these players that, you know, just develops into a good player. I, I don't even know who what his name was, but the big was just making some really good basketball plays when I was watching them today, rolls and just putting himself in good position to score. And, uh, you know, they always have a guy like that just kind of steps in. Mm -hmm. There are two other games that we need to get to today. Um, Washington State went into Arizona. They went into the McHale Center, and they beat up on the Wildcats. They won by 13. Uh, This is a two days after Arizona struggled at home against Washington, and it is a week after they struggled at Arizona State. Heading into those three games, that that, that three-game stretch, Arizona led the nation in field goal shooting percentage. In those three games, they thought, shot 38% at Arizona State. They shot 36% at home against Washington, and they shot 32% at home against Washington State. So, Laval, we've seen uh, Tommy Lloyd over the last two years put together a team where he he stepped in and he turned them from a team that struggled offensively to number seven on Ken Palm last year. This year, they lost three pros, and they turned around, and he had them before tonight. Uh, they were number one in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency on Camp Palm. Is this just a fluke, or have teams kind of figured out what you have to do to slow down Arizona? Yeah, I think, you know, as the season goes along, and we were just talking about this off air, uh, once one team, you know, does it, now there's a template. And, and then the question becomes, you know, how far out of the realm of what you normally do is that template? And then do you have the personnel to execute you know, whatever that was that slowed him down. You take Rutgers, you know, beating Purdue and then Ohio State in the very next Big Ten game had Purdue beat, right? Because now there's a there's a template for how to go about it. Rutgers just showed everybody how you beat them. So I think how do you slow Arizona down? People, you know, people saw it. Now, can you replicate it? Uh, Washington's in a unique deal because they play all zone. Um, and, and this Washington State team's been right there, right? They 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 were one point off of beating USC. They were right there with Utah. They've been knocking on the door to get a win like this. And then Washington and Arizona state kind of gave them a script to, to go in there and knock off Arizona. So um, I think Arizona's really talented offensively. They're not as good defensively. And so if you can stall out the offense, you got a chance. Yeah. So Tyler, that's the thing that worries me with this group. Right. And I think that's where they kind of got exposed a little bit tonight. I I think that the offense will figure itself out. I think Tommy's too good. I think they have too many good players that kind of understand what he's asking them to do. Um, I think they kind of got exposed a little bit on the defensive end. They, they play too big. It's not often that you play two big guys together in 2023 at any level of basketball uh, because of the issues defensively. Neither of those guys are great shooters either. Um, how, how do you, how do you deal with that if you're Tommy Lloyd, right? If teams know how to break you down, how to space out your big guys, how to take advantage of you on the perimeter, what's the adjustment there? Is it just going small? Because then you lose one of your best players off the floor. Well, you're talking to me. I'm all for playing big. I, I like two bigs. <laughs> I don't uh, know who I was talking to there, for a second. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with just doing a little ground and pound. I, you know, you have a mismatch on defense, but you also have a mismatch on offense. You know, to me, you control hey, the Tyler, you know who else plays two big? Xavier. They're one of the best offenses in the country, too. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking yeah. about all this five-out stuff. And, and you know it's it's a great year for bigs in uh, college basketball too, and uh, 
you know, to me, I go old school. I dominate the boards, uh, ground and pound them down low, and uh, you do what you you do best. I mean, the three point shot. I mean, it's you know inconsistent. Some nights it'll work for you. Some nights it won't. But uh, you know, if they're you know those two bigs are you know part of their best players, then you got to play them. In my opinion, you forgot right, who Tyler. you were talking to. Yeah, I forgot who I was talking to. Now that I know who I'm talking to, um, out of all the big guys you've seen, Tyler, I'm putting you on the spot. I should have told you that I was going to ask you this before the show. Didn't think of didn't think of it until this moment. Of all the big guys that you've watched this year, who reminds you the most of you, of the guy that you were when you played in college? Oh, man. Uh, let me see here. It's hard to make that comparison because I never even thought about that. Um, let me see. Uh... I don't know. You'd have to give me some names that you think. Well, you are... know what? How about this? While you think about that, or while while I think about that, how would you like? What do you what do you define your like for yourself for what you were when you were a player? Was were you a guy that attacked the glass? Were you a post present? Were you someone that got got layups in transition? Like, what did you think your best attribute was as a player? Well, my best attribute was getting to the free throw line. I played through physicality. I would say that's uh that's what I did best. Probably the stats, just going off the stats too, but. Uh, for me, I, I always like to run the floor a little bit, you know, traditional coach Williams, uh, style as well, uh, up tempo. And also I had some pretty good guards, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Danny Green. Uh, they weren't bad. You know, they weren't bad and they can open it up for you too. Uh, so that, that really helps when you have guys like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, Armando's playing well for Carolina, uh, He's getting a lot of offensive rebounds. I could see my similarities uh, there. I usually attack the offensive rebounds pretty well, get my own rebound, uh, often miss shots, which I like. Uh, but when I'm I'm looking at bigs this year, I've already said it when I came on uh, last time, Zach Eady to me is uh, is playing unbelievable. He's one of the, the best bigs and also one of the most improved players in college. Uh, and I really enjoy watching him play. I think he's he's been pretty spectacular so far. So you know who it is for me, Laval? That that reminds me of. I, I, of I'm of waiting Hansburg. to hear. I have a thought, but go ahead, hit I, me. I have I have one. So the way he plays, I think, is very similar. His personality, I don't think, could be more polar off opposite. But it's Azulas Tubelis from from Arizona. That was, that's that was going to be the, <laughs> the guy I threw out there because not he, as rugged as Ty, as Tyler. No. He's not as rugged. But he beats he beats the defense down the floor every single time. He's always sprinting in transition. He's yeah. elite when it comes to like sealing you in the paint and those quick kind of post touches, right? Yeah. And he'll rebound for you and he'll draw fouls. He is top fifty in the country in fouls drawn per forty minutes. That I just that, I didn't that's know what the numbers. His motor similar. Yeah, you know I was watching Kentucky play. Uh, against LSU and, and I remember watching Toshibwe the way he puts himself in position to score and kind of moves around uh the lane area to me is is very good. Uh you know I'm just talking about bigs. That's one of the things that he does really well. He seals really well too uh down low which I really like. You know duck ends it's kind of annoying that you just compared yourself to the reigning national player of the year. And I can't even make fun of you for it because you got one of those awards yourself. So that's not, that's not fair. Tom. I wasn't that's comparison. Fair. I was just saying something that I really like about his game, the old school duck in. I, you know, I think he kind of plays like Zach Randolph, not left-handed though. Uh, just kind of the duck ends and the way he gets rebounds and real quick with his hands around the rim. Zach Randolph is the, uh, I think everybody not as good as Randolph. man. 
everybody that's out of shape right now and, and you know is carrying about like 10 to 15 pounds of holiday weight watch that he watched zach randolph play and just kind of like man i wish i was that guy because he's doing it just <laughs> with, with the little baby fat on him as well um all right last one i got for you illinois uh they came out of, out of nowhere and they beat uh wisconsin at home uh first win in the big 10 laval where do you where do you stand on this illinois team like what is can trevor get excited about this win? our producer trevor is a big illinois fan so can they get can he get excited is this team headed in the right direction like what, i would be excited what is going about, on there? i don't know the answer to that um but i would be excited <laughs> about this win just from the standpoint of um you have to be connected to beat wisconsin it's like playing virginia in the acc it's like playing villanova when when they're Villanova in the Big East, they don't beat themselves. Um, so you have to be connected to beat them. You, you know, they're going to be solid defensively. You you can't turn the ball over yet. So for Illinois and Wisconsin has been playing really well uh, for them to play the way that they play today. And and given, you know, they've had some some things going on and, and some things have gotten public and and Sky Clark had to, to step aside and, uh, you know, all things considered now, you know, that's a, I thought that was the right step. It's their first Big Ten win, which is, you know, for their talent. And I went down to their practice early in the season and I thought Terrence Shannon, Shannon was clearly the best athlete I had. I went to probably 30 practices. He was the best athlete I've seen. Um, and I, I really love their freshman guards, Scott Clark, Jay Nebs. Um, now, obviously, Sky's out, you know. So I think that was a positive step. Again, it's Wisconsin. And if you're not connected, they'll beat you by 20. Uh, so I thought that was a huge step for Illinois to to start moving in the right direction. Yeah how how difficult is it, Tyler, when you when you're in a locker room and you're not you don't get along, right? It seems like there <laughs> I, I don't I don't know exactly what the issues are um, with with Illinois, and, and I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to go like too much into detail on specifics on what's going on with them, but just kind of big picture, especially because I think college is a little different than the pros, right? College, you like everybody's spending all that time together in the NBA, you kind of. You show up, you see each other, and you go back home to your family. So when you're in college, how how important is that connectivity? I would say it's pretty important, uh, chemistry and getting along. Because in college, you spend you know you're around each other off the court. You know, a lot of times you're living with each other. So you know, a lot of things. Everyone says don't bring your drama onto the court, but it's hard not to. Uh, it's almost impossible. So if guys aren't getting along. You know, there's a lot of chemistry issues. You know, it's going to be hot and cold. And also, Illinois, you know, one night they look really, really good. Next night you're like, who is this? Uh, it's just been uh, it's been a roller coaster, peaks and valleys. But you know, seems like they got one today. So you know, I I don't know. Coleman Hawkins had 20 tonight. He hit six threes. I'm going to need Coleman Hawkins to let me know when he decides to show up because I bet on Illinois against Northwestern and he didn't show up. And I bet on Wisconsin today when they when when Illinois played him and Coleman Hawkins decided to show up tonight. So I need he just needs to send me a memo. Just let me know. So I, I got to stop burning <laughs> this money. I got to stop setting this money on fire. Um, all right, that we we covered up pretty much everything here. I think it's time we can start wrapping this thing up a little bit. So if you guys want to go to the toast of the night, uh, Laval, I think we can go to you first on this one. Yeah, I struggled because there there was a couple ways I wanted to go, um, but however, you'll you'll appreciate this because I'm going to go toast to uh, the big man Adamo Sanogu just mm -hmm. for uh, you know. He had lost to those guys, I think, three times himself in a row. Connecticut had lost five straight uh, against Creighton. A big game coming off back-to-back -back losses. 
And obviously having never scored more than 13 and the whole clock printer, you know, there was such a storyline behind it and he was phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. I thought he was Biggie's player of the year, you know, and that was like the performance that says, Hey, I, I'm, I'm making my bid here, fellas. Uh, so that was impressive. So toast to the big fella. Uh, tonight. To, I, you know, I will toast to Adama <laughs> All right, Tyler, who you got? I'm going to Kansas State, Jerome Tang. I think, uh, you know, people picking them dead last in the Big 12, coming out undefeated so far. Uh, I respect that story, so I got to give them credit. The Tang. I will always toast the Tang as well. That was the other one I struggled with, Tyler. I, I was, uh, so I got you. That's a good one. <laughs> so my, my, I'm, I'm going back to the Big East, right? Because I think that the best player in the Big East today uh, was not Adama Sonogo. It was not uh, Tyler Kolek, who became the first player in a Big East game in the last 30 years to have 15 assists and zero turnovers. It wasn't Tyler Kolek. It was Zach Fremantle, 29 points, uh, 11 boards, four assists, did it on 12 for 17 shooting, hit a couple big threes down the stretch. And this is a kid that at the start of the season had to be suspended from the program because he wasn't bought in. Sean Miller had to kind of, you know, get him in line and get him bought in uh, and get him listening to what he was asking him to do. Right. We talk about connectivity. We talk about chemistry. We talk about team. We talk about all that stuff. You need Zach Fremantle to be bought in. Uh, and he showed why tonight he's one of the most talented players in the conference, 29 and 11 Xavier goes into Villanova and knocks him off in Finner and pavilion, which is not an easy place to go and win a basketball game. So my toast tonight, Zach Fremantle. And with that, this has been the Field of 68 After Dark. Make sure you go and check out our merch store and get your K-Out shirt, a whole bunch of other T-shirts there, Field of 68.shop. If you're still listening, make sure that you sign up for the daily. It is our free newsletter. Drops in your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. It's the best way to stay connected to college basketball in the day today. And we will be back with you guys again tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. John Fanta, I don't remember who else is on there because I looked at it and I forgot to write it down. So until then, 8 o'clock tomorrow night, Field of 68 after dark. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.